Do grab a seat. Uh, If you're with us for the first time, my name is Al. I'm one of the leaders here. Um, We're going to have a time that is for all of us, and then the children are going to go and do some activities at the back, and we'll continue um, a little bit further with the adults. But I just wonder if if children who are of um, the age that would normally be in our dynamite group, fours to elevens, do you want to come to the front? Um, There's some stuff that I'd like to show you as we talk, which would be easier if you're all sitting down here. So if you could come up, that would be fantastic. Everyone else, make yourselves comfortable, but do listen up. Brilliant. Okay. Just to get us thinking. Hi there, Miriam. You're right. I might need my legs, actually, if that's all right. Can you move back just a little bit? Thank you. Yeah, you too. Um, Just to get us thinking a little bit, I don't know if anybody else picked up the BBC Scotland clip about Easter um, that's been doing the rounds this this last weekend, but um, could we be... Uh, could we play the video, please, just to get us thinking? Are you painting a face on an egg? Yes, I am. Have you lost your mind? No, it's for Easter. Oh, Easter. Right, okay. What's wrong with Easter now? I just don't understand what it's all about. Why do you give me chocolate? How do you mean? When I ask for chocolate, Mum said, no, 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 not good for you. Sometimes... You give me more chocolate, what I can eat. Like when? Easter, Halloween, Christmas, my birthday. Okay, okay. The country has gripped by obesity. All our celebrations have loads of chocolate. I suppose you're right. I don't get the characters either. What characters? The Easter characters. We learned all about Easter at nursery. Yeah. Our Easter bunny. And Jesus' best pals. Well, not really. Is Easter Bunny in the Bible? Does, does he carry a basket of eggs all the time? Well, the thing is, he's not really in the... Does Jesus totally love chocolate then? Well, the thing is, Easter Bunny's not really in the Bible. What do you think Jesus' favourite chocolate is? Uh, I, don't, I don't think he had a favourite. My favourite's patterns. Listen, Isla, lots of people believe lots of different things, but the most important thing is... We have fun together. You know what I really don't get? What's that? Bunnies don't even lay eggs. <laughs> Brilliant. There's one very confused Scottish girl. Um, it's fantastic though, isn't it? But it, it is a little bit confusing sometimes when you see all the different things that go on at Easter. Um, and if you could make your way through the accent there. Are, are, East, are, are the Easter bunny and Jesus best pals? It's a bit of an odd question, isn't it? But we get this when we mix all the stuff around. So I thought we could do with just clarifying a little bit what it is about and thinking that over. No, can you not eat my leg, please? Is that all right? <laughs> that one of the questions that we also ask is, why are we even celebrating Easter? Isn't it a story about somebody dying and somebody we really love, somebody who's really good dying? Why would we celebrate that? And to get into that mystery, I want to ask you a few questions. Okay, so you need to be listening up. Okay, so there are would-you-rather questions. Okay, you have to make a choice. Would you rather... be able to turn invisible but smell really badly of onions or be able to fly but spend the whole time sneezing? What do you think? Okay, who, w- who would like to be able to turn invisible but smell of onions? Okay, we've got a few of those. Who would like to be able to fly but spend the whole time sneezing? Oh, that one wins. Okay, great. Okay, let's do another one, shall we? Okay. 
Can you all see the screen? Because if not, I've got them on bits of paper down here as well. Here we go. Would you rather, here's another one, would you rather be amazing at sports but always feel really cold or would you rather drive a Ferrari supercar but have to live in it all year round? What do you reckon? Okay, I'm, I'm going to ask, who, who would like to give me an answer? Okay, Phoebe, which would you choose? You choose to be good at sports. You don't mind being cold all the time. You don't care if you're cold. Would anybody choose the car instead? You choose the car. Why would you choose the car? Because it's nice and cozy. Well, I suppose it depends where you park it, doesn't it? Okay. Okay, we're going to change the... We're going to change the question a little bit now, okay? Listen up. Shh, 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 shh. Would you swim at the most beautiful beach in the world? Can you see this beach? This is a beach in Australia. Just don't mention the cricket. Okay, would you swim at the most beautiful beach in the world if last year there was a shark spotted there? Okay, last year, a shark, we don't know if it's a dangerous shark. Who would swim there? Oh, we've got some risk takers. Okay. Yeah, Who wouldn't swim there? Who wouldn't swim there? Why wouldn't you swim there? Sorry? You would. Oh, you would swim. Who wouldn't swim there? I would. You would as well. Why wouldn't you swim there? Oh, yeah. Okay. So not worth risking life, even for the prettiest place. Okay. I have another question for you then. Would you... Wear a crown of thorns yes. to win your friend a chocolate Easter egg. Sounds like a bit of a silly question, doesn't it? But the thing is, that's exactly what Jesus did, is it? That's kind of the point. Okay, Jesus, Jesus did not wear a crown of thorns to win us an Easter egg. What would, what would be good enough to make all of that suffering worthwhile. And we, we spent some time thinking about this over the weekend, some of us, and you know, particularly on Friday, we know some of the things that Jesus went through. What would make it worthwhile? Jez. Be, being in the new heavens and the new earth. Amazing answer. Being in the new heavens and a new earth with Jesus forever. Yeah, that's something he won for us by doing all of that. Brilliant answer. Anything else? Poppy. Yeah, absolutely. So similar thing. Have an eternal life with God. Brilliant. Yes. Anybody else want to say? Yeah. To take away our sin. Fantastic answer. Anything else? To forgive us. Yeah, that goes along with it. These are all great answers. This is what Easter's really about. Okay. It's great to have these things. It's great to have a celebration. Like the guy said, it's good that we get to have fun, but it's not the most important thing that we get to have fun together. The most important thing is that Jesus went through some incredibly bad stuff to make some incredibly, incredibly good stuff possible. Great. Okay, kids, we've got some amazing activities for you here, which are all to do with Easter. So Lucas and Thea, would you give those out to people? Would that be okay? You've been sitting fantastically still. Um, and Sanjay, back to you. Yeah, so um, kids, I think you're... Um, I'm not sure whether you're going to stay here and do those activities. I think probably I at think the let's back. Go to the back and do those activities. While we're doing that, if the stewards could take up the offering, that would be brilliant, please. Um,
Brilliant. Okay. Well, I'm very, very pleased and somewhat surprised by the incredible hush coming from the back of the room. <laughs> Clearly, they're good puzzles. So, we already talked over with the kids how whenever we accept a cost to ourselves, it's because we see a benefit from somebody somewhere else. Otherwise, we wouldn't accept it. And other than when something's imposed on us, if we choose to pay a cost, it's because there's something worthwhile. And what got me thinking like this was actually reading the account of Jesus' death in John 19. The Roman soldiers, they have to check that Jesus is dead before they take him down off the cross. The Jewish leaders have said, please, you know, get them down off the cross. So they have to check that all the criminals are dead. And in order to speed the process along, they break the legs of the two criminals either side of Jesus. And then it comes to him, and they, say he's, they see he's already dead. But just to make doubly sure, they stick a spear into his side, and they can tell from what happens that he actually is dead. And John says this, These things happened so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And as another scripture says, they will look on the one they have pierced. And when I read that, I, I've always thought that was perhaps referring to a prophecy in Isaiah, which said that he was pierced for our sins. But actually, it's referring to a different prophecy from a, a prophet called Zechariah, who was about 500 or so years before Jesus. And in chapter 12, if you, if you want to turn there, feel free, chapter 12 of Zechariah, this is what he foresees. This is God speaking through the prophet Zechariah. And I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication. They will look on me, the one they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and grieve bitterly for him as one grieves for a firstborn son. So several hundred years before Christ comes to the earth, God is already talking about how he will suffer at the hands of humanity. So what is the benefit? Why is it that God accepts this great cost to himself? Why would God choose to do this? Well, Zechariah sees this too, just a few verses later, at the very beginning of chapter 13. On that day, a fountain will be opened to the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Now, fountains to us, I don't know if you think the Trevi Fountain in, in Italy or if you think drinking fountains at school and the games you played spraying your friends with them. Um, but fountains perhaps not overly exciting to many of us. If you live in a desert culture, a fountain is an amazing thing. It's like there's not just fresh water, there's constant fresh water. It's free-flowing and it's refreshing. It's incredible. So if, if we think perhaps a fountain is a little bit of a, you know, a low-key image, not for the people hearing this, this is incredible. And I want to tell you that fountains do three things. And these are three things that Jesus did for us, three, three reasons why it was worth him suffering as he did. The first one is that fountains quench thirst. David says in Psalm 63, you gods are my God, I earnestly seek you, I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. And the fact is we all thirst for God, whether we're as eloquent in expressing it as King David is, that depends perhaps. But we all thirst for God. Independent studies year upon year, and I've just picked up on some in the last five years, have shown that over half of UK adults regularly pray, that one in five adults who don't call themselves religious regularly pray. Um, only one in seven adults would rule out praying in a crisis. Um, and yet, interestingly, another study found that of people who pray, less than half believe that God hears those prayers. 
Isn't that intriguing? There's a thirst within us to pray, to somehow communicate, even though some people are not even sure there is a God. And even if there is one, does he hear? And yet there's a thirst to pray. This is a kind of desert land thirst, isn't it? This is a dry and weary land where there is no water and a thirst for God. Well, Jesus said this, whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus was promising the Holy Spirit. Now, if we thirst for God and if we pray for God, even if some people don't know that God exists and others pray to God, even though they don't know if he hears and the rest of us pray to God, (laughs) Because we do know he exists and he hears, but we still feel the need to pray. We want to come close to God. And God says, I will come and live in you by my Holy Spirit. Now that is incredible. This is a God who not only draws close by coming to earth, but then says, I'm going to go back to heaven so I can send the Holy Spirit to live in you. And that will be a quenching of your thirst. That's amazing, isn't it? So... On that day, a fountain will be opened to quench our thirst for God. Whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst, says Jesus. Okay, the second one is right there actually in the Zechariah passage, chapter 13. Could you move it on, please? Brilliant, there we go. The Zechariah Prophecies talks about this fountain as one that will cleanse away sin and impurity. Fountains wash us clean. There's some great photos, if you go looking around on the internet, of people who are obviously kind of backpacking around and just put a bit of shampoo in their hair and wash in public fountains. Uh, It looks something I wouldn't want to do anyway. There you go. But um, we've all done stuff wrong and plenty of it. I don't know if if you think about what are the most bold things that Jesus says, but one of the things that he does is he stands up in front of a crowd of people and he looks them in the eye and he says, can any one of you prove me guilty of sin? I don't know if you can imagine doing that. I shudder at the thought of saying that here. (laughs) In fact, I shudder at the thought of saying that in front of anybody I've known for about 10 minutes. The idea of being able to stand bold as brass in front of a crowd and say, can anyone prove me guilty of sin? But the fact is, the rest of us, we all know that we've done stuff wrong. And at the Last Supper, Jesus said that his blood would be poured out for the many for the forgiveness of sins. We get a wash in this fountain. This fountain that gets opened because God allowed himself to be pierced. We get to wash in it and be cleansed of all the sin and all the impurity. And the third one is, and this is perhaps slightly less obvious, that it gives us purpose because actually God is always generous. He is deep down generous in everything he does. And every blessing he gives is not just a blessing for the person he gives it to, but it's designed to be a blessing for others through that person as well. You see this right from Abraham where God says, I'll bless you to be a blessing to many nations. Through your descendants, all nations will be blessed. God always desires that every good thing he pours out on us will also overflow to others. And as Jesus opens up this great fountain, this fountain that allows us to be quenched in our thirst for God, this fountain that washes us clean of sin and impurity, he also says, come join me in my quest to tell more people about this fountain. 
says, come join me in my quest to see more people refreshed, more people washed. And I chose this picture of <laughs> signposting water because what we see in that, in that first thing is that we are in a dry and weary land where many people do not know where to find water. And Jesus says, come to me. This is what he said, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. So first of all, we get to drink and then we get to overflow to others. So this fountain that Jesus opens up, it's a fountain that first of all allows us to come close to God. Secondly, it's a fountain that cleanses us from sin and impurity. And thirdly, it gives us a purpose for our lives a purpose to see other people touched and blessed and ultimately washed clean and drawing close to God themselves. Now, I'm aware that we're in a mixed audience here. There'll be people here for whom you've heard this every year of your life for 50 years, 60 years, maybe more, and you know this and you love it. And that's great. There'll be people perhaps like me who didn't grow up knowing it but came to find this out um, at some stage during your, you know, your teenage years, perhaps, or when you were a student, or maybe as an adult. There'll be people here who haven't heard this message and haven't had a chance to respond to Jesus' invitation, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. And I want to say the only difference between those people is whether or not we've heard that message and responded. I'm not in any way on a different level from somebody who hasn't yet responded to that message. But that message is there as an invitation for anybody. Come to Jesus and drink. I felt specifically that God said this morning, there's somebody here and you've been saying life has been hard and I've suffered and it's all been for nothing. And I felt like God wanted to say to you, you may think you've suffered for nothing, but actually my son suffered much more and much more purely, and it wasn't for nothing. Benefit from what he has done. Take hold of what he has done because it brings joy and it brings freedom. And it brings life and it brings cleansing and it brings a closeness with God. I just want to close by saying this all of that suffering was worth something and that something was worth far far more than what Jesus went through this is what Paul says about it in Philippians he says let your attitude be the same as that of Christ Jesus who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to grasp but emptied himself and became nothing, taking on the nature of a servant. And being found in human form, he humbled himself to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has exalted him and given him the name above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Have a good Easter.